Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Many of you might be like me, I hate to wait, don't you? I hate waiting for things. I don't like waiting at stoplights. And while I'm waiting at stoplight, I'm constantly looking at the other one to see if it's turning yellow and figuring out timing it. My son was telling me, I guess there's a, 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 some new cars or some new system that it can tell you on your, on your screen how many seconds until the next stoplight till it turns. Anybody have a car that does that? That's a part of your, your car? Not yet. I don't know. I've, my son saw it somewhere. But uh, I hate sitting in traffic. I don't like waiting in line at the grocery store. And uh, we'll, we'll do things where we, if, we're, if I'm at the store together, I'll say, okay, honey, you wait in that one. I'll wait in this one. And then we'll just see who gets there first, because those extra three minutes are going to change my whole day, I guess. But that's how I am. I don't like to wait. I get frustrated. I don't know about you. We get frustrated when a waiter takes 15 minutes extra, a little too long, to bring our food to us. And uh, we can get frustrated by that. When, when a doctor, uh, we have an appointment with a doctor and they're a half an hour late, we get frustrated by that. Amazon, God forbid, is a day late on their two-day prime delivery. Oh, man, we're, we're on the phone, aren't we? We're checking, where is that? Where is my delivery? And now it's one day, and some of it's same day. And uh, Amazon, pretty soon you're just going to click, push click, and it'll arrive right there at your doorstep. And uh, I don't like waiting. Burger King famously used the slogan, have it your way, what? Nobody knows the Burger King slogan? Have it your way, right away. Man, you don't remember that? I'm the only one that watched TV? Okay. And, okay, well, trust me, Burger King had a slogan that was, have it your way, right away. And uh, we, want, we want everything our way when we want it. Give it to us our way or get out of our way. We want it right now. We want what we want when we want it. We don't want to have to wait for anything. You go to the grocery store now, everything is prepackaged. I don't want to have to wait to put a salad together. Give me my salad in a bag. I want to have a bag, open it, and pour it out, and there's my salad. TV dinners, I don't want to put it together or whatever it is. I want it in a box. I want those things. And this evening, I want to bring a message to you. In this series, I've entitled Counseling Classics. These are principles or messages, passages, in fact, just this week in a counseling session with a person that's come to our church, I think, three or four times and is really seeking, trying to find answers spiritually and seeking uh, for salvation and looking for something. A sweet, sweet lady. She was in church right over here this morning, and she's been, I think, this morning was her fourth time to visit. And in that counseling session this week, I pointed her to one of the messages that I recently preached. I said, and these are passages, passages where things that often come up in personal counseling as a pastor, um, and I, I had the idea sometime last year for a series of Sunday nights, I'm going to preach those passages or preach those messages, one, because if it's coming up over and over again in counseling, probably it would be a help to many of us, and two, so that I have that resource on our website or on our podcast where I can say, as I did this week, I'd encourage you to go listen to this message on that subject. I think that would really help you. And so that's where this comes from. But how many times— as I've counseled with people, do we make bad decisions because we don't like the timing and the way that God is working in our lives? And this morning, I want to, or this evening, I want to bring a message to you entitled, The Dangers of Delay. I don't like delays. 
I like everything quick, and, and I, I'm guessing that many of you are like me. Waiting is not our strong suit. We, we want it quickly. You don't believe that's true. Take a look at the New York, New York Times bestsellers list through the years. We don't want to wait and work toward anything. What about our physical health, getting in shape? We don't want to wait or work toward getting in shape. There was a New York Times best-selling book entitled Eight Minutes in the Morning. Here it is. A simple way to shed up to two pounds a week. Here it is, guaranteed. And then New York Times bestseller, The Plan. Oh, go back. Why are we moving forward there? I'm still reading this cover. The plan that guarantees rapid weight loss, and this is the number one George Cruz weight loss specialist with more than three million clients. Why why did this book sell so many? Because guess what? You tell me that I have to work out for an hour or two a day or eight minutes a day. Which workout are you taking? The eight minutes in the morning workout, right? You say, Pastor Ryan, how do you know that this book exists? because I bought it about 15 years ago. And so if you're wondering what does the eight minute in the morning workout look like, you're looking at it right here. This is it. You too could have this physique for only eight, actually I don't do the eight minutes, this is zero minutes in the morning, but, but for only eight minutes in the morning, a simple way to, this, that we don't want to work hard to change, to get in shape. We, how can you give me a shortcut? Eight minutes in the morning. The same author wrote a book about changing our diet. It was also a New York Times bestseller, The Three-Hour Diet. Lose up to 10 pounds in just two weeks by eating every three hours. That sounds pretty good to me. Instead of starving myself, just eat whenever I feel like. Every three hours I'm eating. So according to George, and, and I don't want to be too hard because I did read the first book and I did it for a little while, but I didn't stay with it, so maybe it would work. But according to George, all I have to do is work out eight minutes every morning and eat every three hours. Sounds like a good plan to me. How, how many of you are with me? Seems legit to me, but it's the shortcut. What's the e- Here's the reality. To stay in good shape, to eat healthy, there is no shortcut. It's just hard work. It's being diligent. It's being consistent. It's working hard. We don't want to wait to get in shape. We don't want to work hard to change our diet. We don't want to wait for retirement. Another New York Times bestseller several years ago, the four-hour work week. Escape the nine-to-five, live anywhere, and join the new rich. Has sold millions of copies. It's been reprinted multiple times. Do any of you on your social media, any friends, any neighbors, any relatives, any of you know anyone that read this book? is now working only four hours a week, living wherever they want rich. You know who's only working four hours a week? Timothy Ferris. That's who gets to work the four-hour work. He's probably working more than that too, by the way. But, but why does it sell? The idea that I could have something that for most people it's a lot of hard work, I could have it quickly. I don't want to wait. I don't want to work. I don't want to wait on that. And, and sadly, I believe that we treat God and is working in our lives in much the same way. When it comes to God's plans, when it comes to our spiritual lives, we don't like to wait. We hate it when we perceive a delay in how we think God should work everything out. What is God doing in this season of my life? What's the next stage? What's the answer going to be to that? I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I still don't have an answer. I didn't get the answer that I wanted. I I really want this, and I was really hoping for that. 
God, what are you doing here, and how are you working in my marriage, and what are you doing in my life, and I'm single, God, what's next, and I'm in high school, and God, where are you? Show it all to me. Open all of those things. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path uh, in a dark place. What does a lamp do? It just shows you the next step, and often God illuminates the next step for us, but we don't want the next step illuminated, do we? We want the whole path illuminated. God, where is this all going to lead? How is this all going to work out? When are you going to come through for me? And when God delays, much like the children of Israel in Exodus chapter number 32, if we're not careful, we can do some really unwise and unhealthy things in our lives. It's going to be a little bit of a Bible study this evening. We're going to look at a a few verses, but I want to ask you, is there something in your life where it seems as though God has delayed or is delaying? You thought by this point it would look different. You thought by this point in the situation, you would have the answers. And you feel like, God, what are you doing? Is there there something in your life where it seems that God has delayed? Here's the reality. Providential delays can often be times of great growth in our lives. They can be times of great blessing and great spiritual maturing in our lives. God often uses obstacles and delays in the Bible to prepare His people. Do you remember Moses? Long before he became the leader of millions of people, long before he was the Redeemer of Israel, he was wandering around as a shepherd on the backside of a desert for decades. You know what I call that? A long time of delay. I want to be the redeemer. I want to be the, the leader. I want to be the I want to be be impacting multitudes of lives. No, go take care of some sheep where nobody's watching. And you'll find that all through scripture that often God uses times of delay and times that don't make sense to prepare us, but they can also be very dangerous times in our lives. If things haven't worked out the way you thought they would or in the time frame that you thought they should, it can be a dangerous thing in our faith. I want you to see Exodus chapter number 32, where we find ourselves in Exodus 32. Moses is up on the mountain, and he's receiving the law. He's up getting the law of God. And it's the story of the golden calf. I think most of us are probably familiar with this story. It's a crazy story. In Exodus chapter number 32, I want you to see probably the craziest part to me is here. Look, beginning in verse number 2. Exodus 32, beginning in verse number 2. The Bible says, and Aaron, so Moses is gone, so Aaron, the assistant pastor, if you will, is in charge. And Aaron said unto them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, and fashioned it with a graving tool, after he had made it a molten calf. Here's one of the craziest verses in all of Scripture to my mind. Look at what it says, the last part of verse 4. And would you read from that word, and, to the end aloud? Ready? Begin. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Think about what that phrase means. These people that had seen God work in the ten plagues, they had seen frogs and lice and boils and darkness and water turn to blood. They had seen the the Passover lamb, the death of the firstborn. These people that had seen God work in unbelief. You and I might say, if I had seen God deliver me in such a miraculous way, I would never doubt him again. By the way, we've seen him deliver us in a much more miraculous way by the shedding of blood of his only begotten son on the cross of Calvary. 
but they had seen this amazing God working in miracles, and God had brought them over. Then they, they had come to the Red Sea, and they were there, and they thought they were going to die, and they started getting mad against Moses and saying, you, you just brought us here because the graveyards weren't big enough in Egypt. They started getting, and what did God do? God opened up the Red Sea. I don't know if, they'll, if there's going to be a way to do this when we get to heaven. I would love to watch the video footage of the Red Sea crossing. I'd love to see that Bible story. They walked across on dry ground. They all got a million or two million Jews, got across with all their stuff, and then they looked back, and the most powerful army on the face of the earth was completely enveloped by the, by the, the water going back over top of them. And th they had been there. They saw when Moses put his rod, and the, they had seen that deliverance. They had seen that redemption. And you know how long it took for them, not just to kind of start missing church a little bit, but to completely change religions? 39 days. And here's what they're doing. Hey guys, take your jewelry. Everybody bring me your jewelry. I got an idea. Moses is gone. God must have forgotten about us. We're talking about 39 days. I didn't say 39 years. God must have forgotten about us. It's been a month. God didn't answer our prayers. We don't know what's happening. Moses is gone. He must have taken off. Who knows? Hey, bring me all your jewelry, and I'm going to go ahead, and we, we made, they made a molten calf with jewelry they were wearing the day before, and the next day, you know what they were doing with that molten calf of jewelry they had made the day before? You know what they were doing? Here, it says it right there in verse number four. These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. That calf that we made yesterday, that's the God that delivered us from Egypt. How in the world? But if we're not careful, our faith can get shaken as well when God doesn't come through in the way we thought he would or the way we hoped that he would or the way that we wished and thought that he should. Amazing what we can convince ourselves with when things don't go according to our plan. Why did this happen? How did they get here? Well, all it was was God and their leader didn't do things when they thought they should be done. Would you read verse number one aloud, chapter 32, verse number one? Let's read it aloud. Ready? Begin. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. What happened? Things didn't happen the way that they thought they should. You see that word? When the people saw that Moses delayed. By the way, did Moses really delay, or was that just God's perfect timing? It was just their perspective. It didn't happen when they thought it should. God, if we're going to live for you and follow you, it needs to happen when I think it should in the ways that I think it should. And when it doesn't, if we're not careful, all of a sudden we start, we start coming up with all kinds of different things. It's so dangerous in our lives. We're like the Israelites sometimes. We have a tendency to do some of the same things. So if God, if there's something in your life where it feels like, God, you're not working in the ways or in the timing that I thought you would or that I think you should, what are the things you need to be aware of? We have a tendency to do some of the same things. What are some of the dangers of delay with the children of Israel? Number one, I want you to hold your hand here. Turn back. We're going to come back to chapter 32. Turn back to chapter 14. We're going to look at a good bit of Scripture here in chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17, a few verses in each chapter. I want you to see it. And actually, while you go to chapter 14, I said, hold your hand there before, 
go right back to 32. Hold your hand in 14. Go right back to 32. What's the, what's the first danger of delay? Notice what it says. And when the people saw that Moses, in verse 1 of chapter 32, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up! Make us gods which shall go before us, for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. What's the first thing that can happen, or one of the things that can happen when God doesn't work? Number one, we murmur. We get together with other people and we start to question God and his plan. We start to even question spiritual leadership in our lives. Well, why did they handle it that way? And why is that going that way? And what's happening there? And, and this, this Moses, as for this Moses, it almost feels when I read it like this, as for that guy, the one that brought us out of Egypt, who knows what happened to him? And they gathered themselves together. They began to murmur. Now skip back to chapter 14. Look at verse number 11. This is another time. There were multiple times when God delayed in, in, according to what they thought it should have been. Look in chapter number 14 as they come in chapter number 14, and, and we see them being delayed, if you will. Chapter 14, verse number 11, there at the Red Sea, it says, and they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt that was taken us away to die in the wilderness, wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Verse 12, is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. We talked about this a couple Sunday nights ago, the curse of complaining, but what was their, when delay came, what was their response? Hey, Moses, why'd you bring us out here? They didn't have enough graves in Egypt? Why'd you bring us out here? Didn't we tell you we'd rather stay in Egypt? Now, number one, that wasn't true. They didn't tell Moses that. They actually said, please get us out of here. But when God doesn't work in the ways we want, it's amazing the revisionist history we can come up with in our own minds. Look at, if you will, at, at uh, uh, skip down to verse number 21, it says, and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and waters were divided. So what happens? We get to verse 21, and what happens? God opens it up. Delay comes. We murmur. God opens it up. Skip down to verse number 31. Verse 31, please, the last chapter, uh, verse of the chapter. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. Here it is. Would you read the rest of the verse with me aloud? And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. God comes through, and it's a good thing being a child of God, isn't it? We fear the Lord. We believe the Lord. Moses, long live Moses. You're the man, Moses. We're going to build a statue of you. We love you, Moses. They're, they're on their social media. Moses is the best. He got us across the Red Sea. Now let's look at the next verse, chapter 15, verse number 1. Then sang Moses, uh, verse number one, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare him in habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. What are they doing? They're writing new songs to sing in church. And I'm using New Testament terms, I get it. But they're writing new songs to sing about the crossing of the Red Sea. God's so good to us. Skip down to verse number 24. Uh, verse 23, I'm sorry. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. 
Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. Would you read the first four words of verse 24? Ready, begin. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And the people murmured. Did you guys see my new song I wrote about the crossing of the Red Sea? Forget that song, Moses. What is, what's with you? What's with this God we're serving? I tried to get, he brought us across here just to kill us here. Now we're all going to die of thirst. And the people murmured. Why? Because God didn't work the way they thought he should and in the time frame that they thought he would. Skip down to the next verse, chapter 16. Look, and you can go back and read all of this in context for the sake of time. I'm pulling out a few verses. Look at chapter 16, verse number 2. The Bible says, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Verse 3, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the, the ones that wrote the song about how good God is. You see it in verse 2? He's my strength. He's my song. He's my salvation. Now he's my murderer. It's kind of what they thought. And would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots, when we did eat bread to the full, for you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. First we're going to die by the Egyptian army, then we're going to die of thirst, now we're going to die of hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Okay, I came through at the Red Sea, and I'll come, I came through with water from the rock and I'll come through with manna. And then chapter number 17, look at chapter 17, verse number 2. Chapter number 17 and verse 1, there's no water for the people to drink again. By the way, had they ever been in a spot where there was no water before? Talk to me, church. Had they ever been in that spot before? Just a chapter or two ago, right? You think they would have learned to trust that maybe God's ways and God's timing and God's strength is good enough to believe in, that He's worthy to trust with your life? But oh no. No water, and look at verse number two. Wherefore, the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with, with me? What are you upset with me for? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And notice this, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? What happens when God doesn't work on our time frame? If we're not careful, we forget all of the good things He's done, all about our deliverance, all about His strong arm in our lives, all about His miraculous protection. And his miraculous provision. And if we're not careful, all we do is look back and say, why did I ever give my life to God anyways? Look at those that aren't serving God. It would have been better to be back in Egypt. It would have been better to be back in bondage. We, we were, life was so good there. And if we're not careful, when God delays, our first response is we begin to murmur and complain against God and his working in our lives and his leadership in our lives. We begin to complain about those that have tried to help us and to guide us. And God, why did you you let it happen this way? And why did you put me in a spot there where I was a little thirsty and, and where some of my struggles there? Why did you put us in a dangerous position at the Red Sea? And, and when God comes through, we sing His praises. And when seemingly, by the way, God always did come through, but at the moment it seemed like He wasn't coming through, we then give up all hope. Forget it. Why am I even living for Him? Let me just go back to Egypt, a picture of the world. Let me just go back to the world. 
Well, God, you didn't open the right door there. My wife and I, we've been working so hard. We've been praying for that, uh, uh, for a young adult, for a college-age student, for a young couple, for a middle-aged single person, whatever the case may be. All of us have things in our lives. You live long enough where you look back and say, I thought it was going to be a little different than this. I thought it was going to work out. I thought God was going to answer that prayer a little differently, and I thought maybe I'd be in a different spot, and I thought that, that He would have guided me here. And if we're not careful, when He delays, we think it's a delay, if we're not careful, we'll begin to murmur against God and His work and His plans in our lives. Turn back to 32, if you will, where we started. But not only is there a danger to murmur, but number two, we mingle. Look at verse number one, chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together. The people gathered themselves together. I don't know how that happened, but I don't know if they, they, they had people like signing ballots. Hey, we're upset. They're standing in front of the grocery store there, out there in the wilderness. And would you sign this ballot? Moses isn't coming down from the mount. We want new God's torch. I don't know how it happened. But somewhere, I just, you have to think about it logically. Somewhere, enough people started murmuring. That then a small group of people started complaining. And hey, have you seen Moses? What's God doing? What's, are we all going to die out here? Where are we going? Aaron's not really that good of a leader, is he? Well, what's, what's happening? And so, the Bible says they gathered themselves together. Some people that were upset with how God was working found some other people that were upset with how God was working, and they gathered themselves together. And I don't know, the Bible doesn't give us all the details of it, but just again, logically, somewhere along the way, some group of people decided, here's the answer, let's go tell Aaron, we're going to revolt, we need a new God to worship. And they came, the people, they started getting around other people that were dissatisfied with what God was doing in their lives and in their families and in their nation. And they started spending time with the wrong folks. And for us, maybe it's online or in school or at work, it started small because I don't think they just made an announcement to millions of people and said, all of them at one time just said, oh, let's get new gods. Somewhere they began to gather themselves together and it started small. And before you know it, you've got millions of people saying, we are done with Moses. We need a new God to worship. They began to get, and it's amazing when God doesn't operate the way you think he should, and, and maybe you're upset or you're frustrated, who you'll surround yourself with to tell you what you want to hear. And before you know it, you're coming up with all kinds of plans that are not healthy and not wise in your lives. And that leads me to number three, what happens in our lives? We murmur and we mingle. And then thirdly, we manufacture. We start coming up with our own solutions to try to work it out. Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for Moses, we don't know where he is. Skip down to verse number six. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. What did they do? They came and began sacrificing to a golden calf that Aaron had made out of their jewelry the day before. Isn't it amazing the plans we can come up with? And we can justify in our minds, this is the right next step for me because we're tired of waiting on God. God, I'm tired of waiting for you to guide and direct, for you to open the doors. I'm going to kick a door open. I'm going to kick a door down. This is what it is, and this is what's going to work. And they, they, they all convinced themselves. They were all bringing their families. All right, kids, it's time to go worship. Oh, we're going to the temple. No, we don't, we don't do that anymore. We're going to go. We got a new God. A new God? 
Yeah, what about, hey, mom, what about the God that you wrote that song about? Oh, no, 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 no. What about the God that brought us through the Red Sea? No, 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 no. No, we don't sing that song anymore, son. Why? It's been a month. God didn't come through for us for 39 days. It's time for a new God. And they came and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings to the golden calf. I need to figure this out for God. I need to move. I need to figure out how to get married. I need to figure out the next job offer. I need to figure out the next location. I need to answer this prayer. I've got to do something. I've got to figure it out. That must be the answer. I've got to find the answer. I can't wait anymore on God. It's taking too long, and it's not looking the way that I thought it would. And then lastly, what do we do? Look at verses 7 and 8. We move quickly away from God. Look at verse 7, and the Lord said unto Moses, Moses is up there communing with the God of the universe. He's up there communing with the Lord. The Lord said unto Moses, go, get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt. I don't know, sometimes I read it, I don't know if it's meant to be this way, but I kind of view it. It's funny when you watch God and Moses talking to each other sometimes, sometimes they feel like parents. Your son. Your daughter, here God says to Moses, your people, maybe that's not how it's supposed to be intended. When I read it, I kind of read it that way. Thy people, which you brought out of Egypt. God's saying, kind of, anybody ever done that where, hey, honey, yours, you need to go deal with your son right now, all right? Why is he my son right now? How come he's always my son when it needs to be dealt with? And, and he says, thy people, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Look at this, verse number eight. Would you read the first five words of verse number eight aloud? Ready? Begin. They have turned aside. One more time. They have turned aside quickly. God looks at Moses. It's gone fast, Moses. They've turned aside quickly. You've only been up here for a month. Moses, it's time to get down. Those people you brought out of Egypt, they've corrupted themselves. They've made some really foolish decisions. They're teaching their kids some really foolish doctrine. They're they're, they're doing some really foolish things. They've turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. And they go back and forth. I heard one pastor say, if God and Moses ever got on the same page, Israel would have been wiped out. There are times where Moses says, just kill him. And God says, oh no, I don't want to kill him. Other times God's like, I'm ready to kill him. And Moses says, show some mercy. And they go back and forth together, but they turned aside quickly. They moved away from God in 39 days. Their worship completely changed. By the way, it doesn't mean that they they sang a new song. We saw they sang a new song when their worship was right. What it means is they completely started worshiping a new Savior a new God, a new Redeemer. No longer was it the God of Israel that redeemed them, it was a calf they made with their own hands. They started worshiping the the work of their own hands. 
They stopped worshiping the God of the universe and started worshiping the work of their own hands. They started worshiping their own ideas. They started worshiping their own plans. They started worshiping their own, here's how it's going to work for my future. Here's how we're going to get out of this mess. They started worshiping really themselves, this golden calf, and they stopped their worship change and their music change and their dress change and all of these things. They're moving quickly away from God, and, and they moved away quickly, and may I just stop and say, these four things can be a danger for every one of us. When life doesn't take the path, the exact path that we thought it might take, when it takes a detour we didn't expect it to take, when it doesn't look like what we thought it would look like, when God doesn't answer in the ways we thought He would answer, if we're not careful, we'll begin to murmur. Instead of praising Him, instead of what we sang this morning, You give, you take away. I'll choose to say, blessed be your name. We begin to say, you just want to kill us? We murmur, we mingle. We'll start surrounding ourselves with other people that doubt what God's doing. And we'll start bouncing off ideas. Yeah, that's a great idea. You should, we should go make a new God and you should worship. Yeah, that's a great idea. Go try that. Go do that. And and we'll find counsel that will confirm what we want. We'll begin to manufacture. We'll make up our own plan and our own ideas. and, And it'll sound good to a lot of people around us. But instead of waiting on God, instead of praying, instead of resting in God, we'll do those things. And then we'll move quickly, if we're not careful, away from God. We must guard during the seasons of delay, but we must say, God, I'm not going to be in control. I'm going to let you be in control. What should the children of Israel have done? Last place we'll turn, back to Exodus 14. I had you hold your hand in 32, and we went back to 14 to see it. You know, the first time that God ever delayed, they were given the formula of what they should do every time He delayed. The first time that God had ever delayed for them after their redemption. God gave them the formula that they should have followed all the subsequent times of delay in their lives. And I believe it's a great formula for us when God isn't working in quite the ways that we had hoped or thought that He would. Exodus chapter number 14 at the Red Sea. I want you to see what Moses, so they're, they're saying, didn't we tell you that it would be better to leave us in Egypt, the Red Sea, the Egyptian army is bearing down their necks. They're looking, and the most powerful army on the face of the earth is, is barreling down toward them. They are in a spot. They can't go to their right. They can't go to their left. They can't go forward at the Red Sea. The only place they can go is back. And, 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 and trained killers are following them, are coming, bearing down. It's just a countdown to their death. And this is where they said, Moses, what was the deal? You brought us out here because we didn't have big enough cemeteries? Life was so much better in Egypt. And look at what God, the plan God gave through his man in verse 13. Would you read it aloud with me? Exodus 14, verse 13. Ready? Begin. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show you today. For the Egyptians who ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. He said, fear you not. What's the opposite of fear? Faith. What did He say in your seasons of delay? Trust God. Stand still. What did He say? He said, wait on God and see. What did He say? Watch God. What did He tell them? In our seasons of delay, what should we do? Fear ye not. Trust God. What are you scared of? Has He not redeemed you with a mighty hand? Has He not provided water from the rock in your life? 
Has he not given you daily manna to this point? Is he not trustworthy in your life? Fear ye not. Trust God. But I don't—it's been a month. It's been a year. It's been a decade. I thought life was going to look different. Fear ye not. God's in control. Trust God. Stand still. Wait on God. You don't have to make it all happen. You don't have to manufacture it. You don't have to go figure it all out and knock doors open. No, no, knock doors down. I often pray when I'm facing a big decision in my life. I'll often pray, God, give me the faith. Uh, give me the faith to walk through an open door. Because you know what happens sometimes? God opens a door for us, and it's a little scary, and we get cold feet, and we don't want to step through an open door because it's scary. But then I'll also pray, but God, give me the wisdom not to kick down a door that isn't open. Because I can convince myself just about any door that there's a little crack. Well, that's the door God wants me to go through. I can be impulsive. I'm a little bit of an impulsive personality. I can, I can, I can do those things. You know what I need to do? Like Moses, when God's delaying, probably I need to err on the side of stand still. Stay where you're supposed to be. Do what you're supposed to do. Work on being who you're supposed to be. And God will come along and open the doors that he needs to open at the times he needs to open them. Trust God, wait on God, fear you not, stand still, and then what did he see? say? See the salvation of the Lord, and watch God work. Trust that God will work, wait on God to work, and if you will, you'll watch and see God work in your life. Here's the reality. All of us will walk through desert places, wilderness seasons of life, where we don't know how God's working. We don't know what He's doing. We don't know why He's doing what He's doing. And Satan will try to use these desert places to discourage you. God wants to use these places to develop you. These times of waiting, these times of not having the answers, these times of not knowing what it's going to look like a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, a decade from now. Satan wants to use those to discourage you. God wants to use them to develop you, to draw you closer to him, to show himself strong in your life. But that can't happen if you take the path that the Israelites did to murmur and to mingle and to manufacture and to move quickly away from God. No, let's... Let's go back the first time they faced the delay, and let's follow that formula in the area that we can't quite figure out. Fear ye not. You know, it's often fear of the unknown of the future that drives us to make really bad decisions. I don't know what's going to happen there, so I'm just going to do something. Fear ye not. I'm not scared of what the future looks like. I'm going to stand still. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to wait on you, and I'm going to trust that I will see the salvation of the Lord. I'm going to watch you work on your timetable. If you're anything like your pastor, you probably don't like to wait. You probably want all the answers, and you want them yesterday. Not even today, yesterday. You want to know what it's all going to look like, how it's all going to work out. But God doesn't always operate that way, does he? But he does always. When we let him work, he works in ways that we can trust and in ways that are best for us in the long run. Let's learn from the children of Israel. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.